Hey there, game friends. GM John here. Cozy Caverns Mysteries is a romantic, contemporary adult horror game with supernatural elements, and as such, may contain some concepts or themes that may be upsetting to some listeners. With that in mind, listener discretion is advised. As always, all content warnings for each episode will be listed in the episode's description. We're playing Cozy Caverns using the Beyond the Supernatural 2nd Edition role-playing game, which is published by Palladium Books. You can find out about Beyond the Supernatural, as well as the rest of their megaverse of phenomenal role-playing games, at Palladium Books' website, www.palladiumbooks.com, or find copies wherever fine RPG products are sold. With that said, on with the show. Jazz will have sent Deacon a thank you for telling me about the super safe running place message. Um, and she's, I'm assuming if it's the next morning, she's going to get up early and do her normal morning routine and then get in the rental car, drive to that place, and she's going to go for another run. Okay, well, Jazz, as you're getting up and doing your early morning routine, there's actually a knock on the door. So by that point, she'd be fully dressed and ready to kind of be hitting the road to go for her run. Is it the inside door or the outside door? It would be the interior door. Oh, she goes and opens the door. When you open the door, you can see that it's Officer Dana Morales standing at the doorway. Yeah, officer, how can I help you? Yeah, Miss DeMore, I was sent down here to ask you a couple of questions about the incident that had happened previously. Okay, um, why don't you come on in? Yeah, I'm sorry for coming in so early in the morning. It's just, we've got some state people involved as well at this point. It's turning into a big thing. So we want to get some questions answered as soon as possible. The tab side of me is like, don't let her into your house. She doesn't have a warrant. Go downstairs. But then I'm like, Jazz wouldn't want to do that. Oh, you know what? Instead of inviting her in the house, Jazz is going to ask her to join her in the kitchen downstairs. She has no problem agreeing to that. Because Danny's sleeping still. Yes, she is. Yeah. So they go down to the kitchen that's not open to the public and have a seat at the bar area. Okay, you do that. You can see Melina is in the process of making food with some of the other prep people that work with her, but you have the place otherwise all to yourselves. All right. What questions can I answer? Well, the main thing that I need is for you to run through the series of events as you recall them from that evening when you discovered Miss Sedos's body. Well, I went out for a run like I normally do in the evenings. I've been running up around the way. I'd been taking a certain route, so I decided to change it up by going the opposite direction because it makes that nice loop. As I was coming up the road, I saw a car on the side of the road with the doors open and heard some screaming. So I took out my phone and pulled up my app that'll call Danny if I let go of the button. And then I grabbed some pepper spray and I went running over to see what happened. And uh, I saw a man on top of a woman and he seemed to be attacking her. I don't know if I could tell that she, he was stabbing her when I came on the scene or if now having known there was blood, I think he was stabbing her, but it looked like he was attacking her. So I kicked him off of her and then he went running off naked into the night. And then I called the cops. Okay. And when you were approaching the site, did you happen to notice if either of the vehicles were operational? I didn't check. The doors were open on them and there was screaming. Okay. Okay. No problem. From what I see here, it appears that you had encountered Chief Brackhaven on the scene. Yeah, he showed up with Danny. And Danny is your sister? Yes. And you had called your sister to have her come to find you, or? Oh, no, Danny called me because she had a nightmare. But I couldn't answer her, so I sent her a text back when I was on the phone with 911, because you can't put 911 on hold or a three-way conference call them. It's rude. So... I sent her a text saying I couldn't answer her, and she must have looked at my GPS. We have the trackers on each other's phones. 
she seems to make an indication that that makes a lot more sense. She's okay, okay, so that would be why your sister ended up arriving on the scene. That that actually makes a lot more sense contextually now. That was one of the questions that we had had. Yeah, I always am willing to answer her when I'm on run, so it's pretty unusual for me to say I can't. I don't think I've ever rejected a call from her before, actually. One more thing. Do you happen to have the shoes that you were wearing? Yeah. She says, okay, we need that just to compare against the photos at the scene. Obviously, nobody believes you're a suspect here. They've announced that something bad happened, and we're currently in the process of trying to find the person who did this. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Let me go grab those for you. Give me a perception check, by the way. I got a 28. You definitely feel like she's holding something back. Like she almost may have slipped and nearly told you something. I legit can't think of what that might be. So I'm going to go run and grab my shoes, I guess. She takes pictures of it and she looks curiously when she sees that one of the shoes had a burn mark on it. It had partially melted. Did you step in any sort of substance over there? I don't think so. Is there stuff in the desert that burns shoes? There shouldn't be. That's really weird. I've heard like the pavement gets hot out here. Can it get hot enough to do that? It couldn't have gotten that hot to do that at nighttime. She actively is taking pictures specifically of the area that had melted. Jess is not a scientist, so (laughs) she has nothing really to offer. She's like, yeah, that is weird, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys going to need to take my shoes? No, we just needed pictures of them. That way we can make certain that we've got all the prints taken care of at the scene. Okay. You guys didn't catch the naked guy, though, right? Like I said, we're working on that. If there's anything that I can do to help, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. She says, if we have any further questions, we'll be in touch. Cool. And she heads out. So you didn't tell her that that was the shoe you kicked to the guy with? Nope. (laughs) And you didn't show her the stock. Nope. Oh, that's right. It ate all the way through. Jazz has a healthy fear and respect of authority. And you know what? If Officer Dana had questions about her socks, she should have asked. (laughs) Fair enough. So, Jazz, what are you doing now? I'm going to go for my run. And where are you going for your run? Oh, I'm going to first text Danny. Yeah, I'm going to text Danny and tell her that, like, Officer Dana came by to get pictures of my shoes. Don't know if she'll need them later. Told her about your nightmare and how you used phone GPS to find me. She might have more questions for you. And then she's going to go for her run. Danny, you do not wake up for that text. (laughs) Dad would not expect her to. (laughs) Danny, while you were dreaming and your sister is off taking a run, once again, you find yourself in the quote-unquote apartment that you share, uh, well, in this world with your grandmother. (laughs) And she is sitting at the table and smoking a cigarette. She says, well, I mean, we've had a lot of adventures the last day or so, haven't we? Yeah, more adventure than I'm necessarily comfortable with. Yeah, well, you know, I can try and give you your space a little bit more. This arrangement's really weird for me, too, so... Kind of disrupted my whole thing that I got going on, but I I do like hanging around you. It's nice to be able to talk to somebody that isn't dead. No, you're fine, Grandma. I more meant Jazz finding Ruby and then talking to her. Yeah, that was really creepy. Like, I was behind you, but I wasn't saying nothing at the time. I really hate being over there, so I try to keep quiet. Weirdly, I have a little trouble not hanging around you, which I find interesting. Like, I noticed that I was going out late last night to go and try and get some ciggies from just walking around the town like I usually do, but I couldn't get as far as I normally do. I ended up just stopping, and I tried to walk, but I couldn't get any further forward. It kind of weirded me out, so I ended up walking almost around in a circle. I don't know, it felt like I was on a leash or something. It was the weirdest thing. Where? How far did you get? Uh, I ended up having to stop down by the Historical Society. That's about as far as I could go. That's really weird. How far could you go before I got here? I mean, if I wanted to, I could have just up and left town. Of course, going out on the roads, you know, in the afterlife, it's a kind of a scarier place than you would think it is. Just, you know, being a live person. There's weird, weird stuff out there. Really? Oh, yeah. I can't really explain it because I ain't really spent a lot of time out there, but Folks that come in from out on the roads, they usually come in a little bit worse for wear. It's really weird. Or she talks about the afterlife, the more afraid I am. Like, (laughs) I don't want to die. Doesn't sound great. Well, I'm sorry. You're kind of stuck. I don't know why that would be. 
that's a perpetual question, ain't it? I mean, we're all kind of trying to figure that out still, but I don't know. I try and make the best of it. That's the way I try and do things. That's the way I tried to live. And I guess that's the way I'm going to be dead. <laughs> well, if there's anywhere you want to go and you can't get to it, I can go with you. And then in theory, you can get there. I don't know. I didn't have as much of a trouble getting around when I was hanging around with you. So maybe that makes sense in a way. Again, this whole thing's still really new to me. You know, I've just been kind of doing my own thing since I died anyway. So your guess is as good as mine. I don't think anyone is an expert in this subject, but who knows? Danny, while you're talking to your grandmother, Jazz, you find yourself at the track. And who would happen to be running there this morning but Deacon? In fact, it looks like he started running there a little bit before you got there. He's very red in the face. And you're not sure if Deacon does a lot of cardio. He appears to be more upper body work. But he comes over as he sees you stretching. He goes, hey, how's it, how's it going? Good. Do you, do you normally run here? No, I mean, I usually just go to work and hop on one of the mills. But... It's nice to get out every once in a while, get into some nature. Yeah, I like the difference between how the track feels beneath your feet versus a treadmill. So yeah, it's not like grass and doing cross country, but it's still pretty nice to feel the track, like you said. Give me a perception check. Do a 78. You definitely think he's vibing with you on loving to go running on tracks? <laughs> Well, and I do, like, I have running as one of my skills. That's, like, one of my things. It's why I do it twice a day, willingly, on yeah. my own, with no one making me. So, yeah, I think Jazz is going to get kind of excited about that. Give me a second to pull on the vague knowledges I have from knowing people who've run before. I'm digging deep here. Stop looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to be pretty excited about it, and she's going to be like, do you do cross-country running? Because I find that having the variations in the ground and the incline is a really great way to get like a little bit of a core workout in while you're running. And it helps with balance, too. You don't meet a lot of people who are willing to transition across all three track types. He seems to be catching his breath at this point. And he says, normally, I prefer, again, doing it on a treadmill just because you can set the inclines to kind of up and down naturally on your different programs that you have on there. But I mean, I certainly am not opposed to getting out and going for a run every once in a while. I just, I guess maybe I've been working too much on show muscle lately because I, I did a couple of laps around the track already and I'm still catching it, you know? Yeah, it'd be hard to get back into it. But as long as you keep trying, man, you're going to see some improvement. Do you want to catch your breath while I do a little warm up run? Yeah, just I'll come after you after a second or two. Give me a little tick, but you can go ahead and start without me. Yeah, no problem. And then she's going to start a workout because she's not going to let that interfere. Give me another perception check, please. 83. Okay, so you just start on running. Yep, and then I guess after a lap or two, she's going to come back over and check on him. Yeah, after you start running for a little bit, he comes and catches back up with you. Again, you realize he's not as fast as you are. <laughs> Yeah, I think she'll slow the pace down to something that's maybe a little bit more manageable for what she assumes his level would be. And she's a fitness instructor, so I'm guessing that that's something she's good at gauging. Yeah, you yeah, can definitely works. tell he seems to maybe do more lifting than he does cardio, for sure, because you slow yourself just enough that you're making him work to keep up with you, but not that much. But I bet she also is kind of falling into that pattern of being like a person whose entire career and job is around like motivating people to try harder and go faster. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of turning into a little bit of a like, come on, one more lap. Let's just push it <laughs> to, that, <laughs> to that tree. We got this. Come on, man. You got this. You know, and she's like <laughs> trying to keep him pepped up, which for her makes it a more fun workout, I imagine, because she likes that type of stuff. So she's enjoying herself. I don't know if he is. As somebody who doesn't enjoy running myself, I wouldn't be, but... He goes the distance, but you notice that, again, he's a little more worn out than you are after the two of you finally finish. Yeah, I think Jazz is outwardly pretty happy with how everything went. Like, she's pretty happy with him. She sees that he pushed himself, and that's pretty cool, and she always likes seeing that in an athlete. So, yeah, she's probably vibing pretty hard. As the two of you are chit-chatting a little bit, he finally says... I'm really excited. I'm going to be able to get to see you again tomorrow night. So let me know if you want to run again before then. 
you know, especially with everything that's going on in town and whatnot, things are a little crazy right now. Not that you can't handle yourself or anything. They'd have to catch you first. <laughs> she laughs because she probably hasn't told them that she's a martial arts instructor. <laughs> and she'd be like, yeah, it'd be a bit surprising for them if they actually managed to. I actually go running twice a day, but I know that's a bit much for most people. But if you want to like meet up tomorrow, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. You want to meet up here? Yeah, sounds great. Same time? Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Jazz is going to head on home to see her sister and take a shower. Okay. And Danny... She's mentally in the drive. She's like, okay, I have to tell Danny about this, but how do I do it to minimize the teasing? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like running through scenarios, like how she can like play it off as like a real cool situation, but she knows she's just going to blurt it all out when she gets home, so... Danny, you had a pretty good chat with your grandma before you ended up waking up in the morning. If there's anything you want to ask her or anything beforehand, we can handle that. She doesn't know what to ask or anything right now, so no. Okay. So yeah, you would be just waking up by the time Jazz would be coming through the door from her run. Did you have a good run? You are not going to believe what just happened. What? And Jazz is going to tell her all about it. Well, I guess as far as it goes, it's better than finding a dead body. Yeah, I mean, if that's what track running is, I could probably get more into it. <laughs> How much did you have to slow down? Probably going to have to push myself a little further on this nightly run. I don't think he's a big cardio guy, but he tried. He pushed himself. <laughs> that's where I saw him. He went the full distance. Not a lot of people are able to do that. You went all the way? I mean, most of it. It's important that you end on a positive note. Otherwise, he's going to start dreading running. <laughs> You can't have that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm going to go hit the showers. Then I guess we'll go down to breakfast. Yep. You had coffee yet? No, but uh, I probably would have. I think I set the timer on it, right? Yeah. I believe your character has stated that they do that before when they go out for runs. So Yeah. Yeah. I usually set it up. Actually, you would have gotten up a little early. You keep getting up early is the problem. Normally <laughs> I come in from my run, set up the coffee machine, go take my shower. And then when I come out, you're getting up. But you are waking up early. You didn't have another nightmare, right? Uh, No, another dream with grandma, but no nightmare or anything. She seems to be kind of tethered to me or something. I don't know. She said she couldn't walk as far as she normally does. I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have no idea. I, <laughs> I don't even know if it's... I wonder if Herb can go anywhere he wants or if he's tied to her. Tied to the wife? Yeah. Oh. Maybe it's an emotional tether or some sort of anchor because not everyone who's dead is here. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe we should ask him. Is the festival still going on today? No, it's a Monday. Okay, that's right. And we want to go and do the uh, meeting this morning with Denise, the, the writer. What time is it now? It'd be around eight something in the morning. Can you ask grandma where her normally is around this time of day? Or if she could ask him if he can go anywhere? Yeah, I'll ask her to talk to him. I'll try and go find him right now. I mean, I, th I think I can probably get to where he's at. That's close. He's usually hanging out in front of his old house. Do you mind asking him if he's able to leave town normally? Or No, I'll go ask him real quick. That's no problem. He's probably got some cigarettes waiting for me anyway, so I got to go <laughs> pick them up. That's true. All right, honey. Well, I'll be back in a little bit. You girls have fun. For a brief second, you see like a flash of her walking through the door to your room. Of course, only you see that, Danny. Jazz sees nothing. <laughs> she just sees my head kind of go, and there she goes. We'll get our coffee and then head down to the breakfast when that's available. Yeah, it's an omelet bar this morning. That's incredible. How's Melinda doing? She was she's, pretty hit hard, right? She's holding up. She seems yeah. to be doing a lot better today. You do notice, even without a perception roll, though, Almost everybody is talking about what happened at this point. Do we hear anything interesting or of note? Hmm. Let me roll on my random table. Ooh, you hear someone saying a salacious story about how it's possible that the two people who were involved in some kind of like affair or relationship that went sour, but they're speaking in a very hushed tone. I mean, that's a rumor that I would have made up. You know, that, not that I make up rumors, but two people, one it's, dies. 
out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they're close in age and both reasonably attractive. Yeah, they probably were into each other, right? That's a normal Dateline, like, ID channel sort of solution. <laughs> like, the spouse did it, and yeah, they were always lovers. But yeah, you definitely hear a lot more talk about the incident at this point. Okay, well, we'll eat our breakfast, and then I guess just kill time until 1030? Yeah. Maybe, do we have more books to read? No, you pretty much went through all the books that you had on hand that were of any relevance. Is there anyone at breakfast that is acting like they know more about the murder than other people? Not particularly, no. There's a fair amount of wild speculation going on from what you can hear. So, largely just people running their mouths about things they don't know. Mm -hmm. The thing that people do. Normal small town gossip. I would be very curious if we'd have been here a week ago if there would have been rumors of Ian and Ruby being together. Is that like a new rumor or was that always a rumor? Is it just because of the link now or? Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah. One other thing that you do over here is that apparently she had just bought that car. What kind of car was it? It was a little sporty car. That's what we're going to say, because I never had established a model for it. Okay. Not a red Camaro, though. No, not a red Camaro. Okay. Is it a it was expensive red. looking car? Not super expensive, but a little zippy thing. So after a hearty omelet breakfast, what do the two of you do? Where does Denise live? How close is her place? I don't remember. The address that you got for it, it's actually outside of town, a decent little way outside of town, near the split of the 89A, and she lives off of an unpaved dirt road. So we probably still have at least an hour, hour and a half to kill before we should go head that way. What do you say to seeing if we can go talk to Ruby again? Okay. Um, We may not be able to do the whole car stalling out thing. So can grandma keep an eye for cops and let us know if they're coming? If she comes with? Grandma, Does grandma come back with news about Herb yet? Oh, yeah. I just made it back, actually. Let's go to the car. So Danny was going to say so people don't see me talking to a ghost, but decided it wasn't a good idea to say that either. Back your ear, remember? <laughs> Give me a little Bluetooth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did my Bluetooth come in for her? It did. It arrived overnight. Oh, I give you your Bluetooth. Sweet. Why do I have this? So you can call grandma. Without looking like a crazy person. Yeah. Very nice. Got two grandmas. (laughs) Perfect. I go ahead and (laughs) pop it in my ear. Hey, grandma, did you talk to Herb? Yeah, I did. He doesn't have any problem. He said he can go wherever he wants to. Weird. He can't talk to his wife. But I can talk to you. That's some thinking I did when I was out. Like, maybe we got something going on that's a little different than them. Are you relaying that to me? Yes, that is Danny's habit. Does that mean if we fix whatever's wrong with Ruby, Ruby will also be tied to you? Could you talk to her? I don't know. Grandma said all those people just kind of stay out there all the time anyway. Like, they're already kind of tied down. I wonder if we break that tie, if her new tie will be with you, or if it's because you're related. Well, we're family with Grandma. Yeah, I don't know. Let, maybe let's... Grandma wanted to talk to you and you wanted to talk to her. Maybe that's enough of a bond. Maybe. Maybe it's not even about me somehow. She said she used to be able to go anywhere. So it's got to be something that's changed. And aside from Ruby, we're kind of the only change that's come to town. Tell you what, Grandma, do you mind riding with us and keeping an eye out for the police while we go talk to Ruby again? No, I'll keep an eye out for the popo for you. (laughs) Jazz, Grandma said popo. (laughs) I know, Grandma's so much cooler than I expected. She really is. I kind of feel bad. I mean, she's cool to us, but she wasn't cool with Monty. Yeah, you know, isn't that the whole thing where people are like, you're always better to your grandchildren than you are to your children? (laughs) Yeah, people are different. They change. Maybe we're getting to see the best version of Grandma. Maybe that's the real gift. And <laughs> <laughs> Jazz uh, is going to hop in the driver's seat and start taking them down towards the KFC Pizza Hut Taco Bell. When you get down there, you notice something has changed a little bit. What? When you start pulling up, you can see that the people that don't have eyes that are in the middle of the Red Rock 
are all pointing to a location off towards the northeast. That's not the direction that the lady we're meeting with is at, is it? No, it is not. Okay. Is that the direction? Because we read in the book about different ley lines, but also like, I don't know if this was in the book or somewhere else, but the bus, the mining bus accident and where the Camaro drove off the road. Is it in the direction of any of those things? The direction they're pointing, it makes it look almost as if they're pointing down the length of the Red Rock heading north, but it's more easterly facing. Like if you were to go in that direction, you would eventually go off of the Red Rock. Are there any roads up that way? Just like dirt rocks and eventually mountainy stuff. So I kind of take a picture of the direction they're pointing so that I can find it later. And I obviously tell Jazz about everything, but I don't think we have time to go explore that. So let's try to find Ruby. I'm going to try talking to any of these people. As you go over and start talking to the people, some of them are speaking in a language you can't understand. Most of the ones that are speaking in a language you can't understand are the Native American ones. I'm sorry, I don't speak your language. Um, about the English-speaking ones. English, anyone? You do manage to eventually locate Ruby. It looks like she's shifted out of the middle of the road and is more towards the side of the road at this point, opposite the side of the road that she had ended up on with her car. Okay. I kind of direct Jazz to park over there so we can go talk to her. She is one of the people that is pointing off in the distance. When you move over to her, she seems to notice you specifically, Danny, because she turns to look at you, although she doesn't stop pointing. What are you pointing at, Ruby? Even as she leans to start speaking to you, you can see her hand shift slightly as it moves more towards the north than the east of where she had been pointing. And she says, he's coming. As she says that, you can see a cop car coming down the road. Not where she's pointing, just... Well, as you look up, you notice all of the people spread out across the road have shifted their fingers a little bit and are pointing out straight down the road. Towards the cop car? Yes. Uh, uh, Danny, that's a cop. We're not doing anything. No, I know, you're right, but... Is there anything around that's pretty, landscape-wise? Well, it is a scenic byway, so... I'm on, at the edge of the road, right? So I'm going to put my hazards on and start taking pictures of the desert with my phone. Perfect. Maybe like holding up my phone and being like, this is it. It's the desert. Look at how pretty it is, guys. You don't <laughs> see colors like that back in Philly, do you? I want both of you to give me perception checks because the police car drives by. 33. 55. Jazz, you recognize the cop that is driving the car to be the same cop that had encountered you right after you found the dead body. The chief of police or? It's the chief. Take a picture. As you do that, you notice he seems to be looking at you as he drives past. Uh, I'm going to keep taking pictures of the desert because I'm covering for Danny's conversation with the dead girl. Danny, at this point, you can see that the people that are standing all across the road have shifted their hands to be pointing now off more towards the the northwest. So not in the direction that the police officer just went. Okay. Was that him? Is that who they're pointing at? I asked Ruby that. That's not the man. He's somewhere else. Do you know what he looks like? Is it Ian, the veterinarian in town? I don't know. I don't have a dog. Okay. Sorry, you said he's coming. Who? The man from outside. He just came down, and then he went out that way. How do you know? Can you feel him? Can Mm -hmm. you see him? He keeps us here. We know when he's coming around. Was she in the police car, or he? She shakes her head. Says he wasn't in the police car. How does he get around so fast? He hops. He hops. How far can he hop at once? Far. Fast. And he can do it through bodies, too. Through bodies? What do you mean? He jumps through bodies. He'll like hop jumps. into them for a little while, and then he'll hop back out of them into someone else. Do you know how to stop him? No. Is everyone here trapped by him? Everyone who's eyeless? You hear, like, a slow rumbling, and I need you to roll a d20 for me. Trying for high or low? She's going to aim for high on this one. 14. 
there is a susurrus of noise when you start asking those questions. Everyone there is stuck there because of this man from outside. Does anyone know how to stop him? Silence. How to, how to free yourselves? If one or two of them put their head in their hands, at least the ones that can understand you. Do any of you who speak English also speak? Are they Hopi or Navajo? Or Some of them are Navajo. Do any of you also speak the same language as the natives? A couple of the native people who have more modern looking clothing come over. They're all teenage boys. So you can figure out where they came from. And one of them says, they're all here because of the same thing, too. Do they know anything else? Any local lore or stories? or? Only thing that we can tell you is that he's been here for a very long time. How long? Before I was born. I know that some of the people, and he points to the people that are Native American in more traditional garb. Some of them are my ancestors. And was he here before them? No. What is the year? It is still 1934. Oh, sweetie. No, it's 2021. He looks shocked and kind of staggers back and finally manages to regain his composure after a little bit. He says, it has been been over a hundred years. Do you know where he's from? They are no longer here. They have since disappeared. But one of the eldest of my people said something about a white devil being killed. Mikam, Danny's trying to remember what she read or what she learned yesterday. Mikam was lynched after being found in the act of murdering. He killed five white people and was convicted of that, but probably killed a lot more natives. He was killed between early January and late March, used whatever was on hand and was an ambush killer. He was a transient worker at the time. That's right. Did any of the books have pictures of him or anything? No, none of the books that you saw had any pictures of Meekum Banks. Okay. I ask him if the name Meekum Banks means anything to any of them. He shakes his head a bit sorrowfully. He says, you know, I have seen him a few times, but it is difficult to describe. He is tall, far too tall, and so thin. Super thin and tall. Yes, if you had grabbed a man by the head and feet and then pulled as hard as you possibly could until he was maybe 10, 11 feet tall, that is what you would have. 10 or 11 feet tall? Correct. Wow. Anyone ever heard him? He shrugs. He's not entirely certain. I can try and confer with some of them, but a a few of them have suffered enough that they have difficulty speaking. Please... If, if you can, I, I want to help you if I can. You can hear your grandmother say, baby, I, I think you guys need to get going. I can see that little porky over there rolling around. It looks like he's turning around, coming back this way. Oh, okay. We'll be back sometime. Are you guys ever able to leave this area? He Town? gives you one more sorrowful nod. Okay. We'll be back. Okay. I promise. I'll come back. Okay. I'm going to pull away. Okay, since you pull away and start driving down the Red Rock, he follows you for a little bit, and then he turns off into what looks like a little turnaround that's specifically for people to turn around or stop and do a little scenic look, and he turns around and heads back towards the town. So I relay everything that I didn't already relay to Jazz to her. I don't know how to fight a ghost. Well, the ghosts don't know how to fight a ghost. Did I mention he's 10 or 11 feet tall? And like Gumby stretched. So he's got height and reach on us. Yeah. And he can jump into bodies. Awesome. How do we know if he's in a body? Do you think we'd know? I didn't think to ask. Grandma, do you have any thoughts? I mean, that's all kind of beyond me. I mean, I imagine there'd be something you would see that might look a little weird if there's somebody in somebody else's body. But honey, I ain't an exorcist or nothing. I'm just a dead woman. Did grandma see anything when they were pointing? Did she see or sense anything? You can hear her make kind of a disgusted sound. And she says, all I saw was something at the periphery of my vision slinking around out there. Again, y'all don't really see the fog like we do because it's a little bit harder to see out and about in the world than it is for you folk. But yeah, there was something slinking around out there. And I'm sure whatever it is, is the reason them people are so sad all the time. 
It's part of what I don't mess with regularly. Can she let us know if it's slinking around us? If I see it, yeah, I'll, I'll probably scream. Good, good. I won't hear it, but hopefully, hopefully, Dan is around. Yeah, I, I assume you're translating this for her, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just can picture, like, Jazz sitting on the couch reading, and that monster thing slinking towards her, and Grandma's just screaming in a panic in the room, and she has no idea. <laughs> oh, gosh. Running the pages of her book. <laughs> I wish something exciting would happen. This book is so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so what time is it now? With all the poking around that you've done and everything, let's say 10 o'clock. Cool, we need to head out to Denise's then. Okay, and we need to make sure to ask her about Hassan's murder apartment. You head down to where she lives. The trip is maybe 20 minutes going outside of town and everything. You head down the unpaved dirt road. It's muddy enough that you can see why somebody wouldn't really go out too much because it's kind of a sloppy drive to get there. Well, we're going to have to wash the rentals. There's a very nicely decorated, albeit a little Spartan single-wide trailer at the end of it in a little clearing area, as well as an older sedan. And as you pull up, you can see an older woman coming out of the front of the single-wide and down onto a little porch that's out in front of it. She looks like maybe mid-60s, early 70s. She has brown hair with more than a few streaks of gray in it. She's wearing a pink sweater with white rims around the collar and everything and a pair of light blue jeans. And she comes kind of hobbling over towards your car as you're getting out of it. And she says, well, hello there. Are you Miss Frisbee? Oh, one and the same. It's good, it's good, good to meet you, girls. Uh, it's nice to see somebody coming over here this time of year. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I'm Danny. This is my sister, Jazz. Yeah, and she comes over and gives both of your hands a very soft handshake. Very careful to get a soft handshake back. <laughs> Yeah, you can see she's definitely getting on in years. And as she invites you in, this house is chock full of binders, full of paper, books, folders, and other ephemera are on most of the surfaces in the home. Although it's very neatly organized for the most part. It's just like a, a very cozy home for an old academic. And she says, so I heard you girls were interested in folklore cozy caverns. Yeah, our grandmother used to own the B&B she passed recently, but we inherited it from her, and we just were really interested to learn more about the area. Well, well, I'll be darned. I didn't even know Lorna had granddaughters, but look at the two of you. You're certainly beautiful girls. Your grandmother never really had much to do with her, but she always seemed like a fun sort. Yeah, we're learning more about her since we've come out here, and she did seem very interesting and lively. I can tell you what. One thing that you don't have to worry about is any spookums over at that hotel of hers. That place is clean as a whistle as far as folklore. Nothing really important's happened over there. Well, that's good to know. I did hear something about an apartment in town. Yeah, her good friend Hassan said something about a murder apartment. Oh, you're talking about the Palomino Place murder? She says, come on in, sit down. Uh, would, you, would you cows like some cocoa or some coffee? You don't have to put yourself out for that, but I would love to hear the story. It's not so much a story as much as just a poor thing that happened. There was a man that got brutally murdered there. Why? I really couldn't say, honestly. It's, it's one of those things. Why does crime happen? So what happened? Why is it called a murder apartment? If somebody gets murdered in an apartment, it seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do is call it a murder apartment. So I've got a clipping, actually. Let me see where I've got that. Oh, what year was that? God. 90, 97, 98? And she starts thumbing through a pile of different folders and finally seems to find the right one because she starts thumbing through clippings and then snatches one out. Well, doesn't snatch it so much as carefully unclips it and then hands it over to you. It is a news clipping from February 5th, 1998. And it regards the discovery of a deceased male, Jerome Hembach in his apartment at 27 Palomino Place Apartments by a neighbor named Jacob Brackhaven, age 22. Brackhaven, isn't that the name of the police chief? It is. Does it say anything about why? Well, the article doesn't go into a lot of detail. Foul play was believed to be involved because the victim died from massive trauma. They never apprehended a culprit. But the man's former girlfriend was actually believed to have been the one that performed the killing. Who is his former girlfriend? 
Former girlfriend was an exotic dancer. Her performing name was Ariel Moon. Her real name was Danielle Frakes. She had formerly been an exotic dancer and server at Pete's Place in Payson, Arizona. Is that the place with the big cow? That is the place with the big cow. <laughs> what a tragedy. Your boyfriend sent us to find out about the most boring thing in the world. Well, hold on. Miss Frisbee, do you know if Jacob Brackhaven, is that the chief of police? She gives you an enthusiastic nod and she says, oh yeah, one in the same I believe that what happened to that poor boy was actually what motivated him to get into police work. Yeah. What other interesting folklore or stories could you share with us? Oh, well, I mean, there's a whole lot of stories in this area about different things. I mean, there's a couple of stories from the 1800s, even a couple of earlier ones from one or two Hopi sources about some strange predatory animal attacks. We hear about those. Oh, well, I mean, modern times, most people just attribute it to coyotes. But yeah, I mean, there were a couple of times in the 1800s where people got attacked by wild animals and they had indicated that they were strange because of how many of them there were. Usually it was a lot of coyotes. And I mean, we're talking big packs, maybe 30, 40 coyotes. Is that common? Not anymore. No, especially since we've had periodic bounties on them. So a lot of times people will go out there and plug a whole bunch of them if they want to get money for Christmas or something. What made the Hopi stories different? Occasionally, they were talking about uh, animals that could, you know, end up walking on two legs like a man. Really? Yeah. Of course, I think that that's a long time ago stuff. That's not any kind of stuff that actually happens anymore. No, but that's very interesting. Yeah. One of the nicest things about this area is there's so many different tribes in the region that they kind of had different myths that would transfer and miscegenate between one another. Did any of the other local tribes have similar stories? Oh, yes. Most of them have different stories about beings who can take the form of an animal. I heard there was a curse in the area. I would be inclined to say that it's quite possible that something's gone wrong here because terrible things have happened in the area, especially that monster Meacham Banks. Can you tell us more about him? Well, I I can do you one better. I actually happen to have a couple of diary entries from one of the men who was with the posse at the incident. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you mind sharing those? Oh, is that a problem whatsoever? I just, uh, I have to get them out. I have to be real delicate with them, of course, because they're much older. Oh, yes, of course. You you see her start. She says, well, I I will have you put on some gloves. We glove up. Yeah. She (laughs) has a box of nitrile gloves. They're a little tight on you, Jazz. You've got powerful fingers. She brings out a fairly battered. It doesn't even look like a full book. It looks like maybe half of a book. And she very carefully starts shifting the pages over until she gets to a couple of entries that are under March 17th, 1889. By all that's holy under our Lord God's gaze. Tonight we've seen the face of the devil made flesh. Best as I can tell, based on the scant evidence gathered. The monster banks is savaged far more than the papers report. At least two separate piles of injured bodies were found in a hard state over the last two weeks, and the savagery inflicted upon them fits with what was discovered when the poor Baudrys and Miss Griffiths were found. Propriety forbids me from discussing the details in depth here. Suffice to say, in every case, some of the deceased were found in almost serenely positioned. Neat knife marks the only indication of any real wounds besides all the blood while others looked as if they'd been battered or beaten with a rock. It seemed the work of two or more men, given the ferocity with which they slew their victims. But if it were the case, we could only hope whatever fiend that accompanied Banks saw their death in the wilds like the animal they were. The day of the twelfth seemed like any other, with chill air and pensive men's folk on horseback scouring the area. But the sound of gunfire drew everyone's attention sometime before noon. As many able-bodied folk as possible headed towards the sounds, and we caught sight of Rasmus Snow emptying his rifle into that beast Banks, who was holding poor Clint Frakes round the neck and shaking him like a coyote does a rabbit. Given how the lad's arms were flailing, it was clear we'd already been too late, and the wild bastard closed the distance betwixt himself and Snow before anyone even else got to shooting. We didn't realize until later, but he had himself a surgeon's knife, and he opened up Snow's throat before we'd even knew what had happened to him. Everyone started firing as Snow's body landed in the dirt, and as Banks turned and seemed to take a couple of steps towards us, he shook as we riddled him with bullets. Jesus' name, I'll remember the look on his face till the day I die. 
I've never seen a man look happy and terrified like he did at the same time. And as men got closer, his body kept shaking and twitching like some kind of awful puppet with its strings cut. Sheriff Burke of Cottonwood emptied a pistol into the man's head, finally ending the nightmare that the wild man had caused. A hasty grave was dug, and I said a small prayer for his eternal soul to myself. It was too late for last rites, and I'm fair certain Meacham Banks exists now only in a place where God has turned his eye away. The remnants of the body were covered in crucifixion thorns and then set ablaze with lamp oil as the bodies of snow and freaks were recovered and put on a wagon to take to their family. The blaze didn't burn too long and dirt was hastily pushed over the smoldering corpse. No marker to memorialize the passing of one of the most brutal killers in the history of our area, save for a pile of heavy stones. I know saying this is tantamount to heresy, but so be it. I'm still uncertain even this punishment was enough. A few days later, we saw a number of engines at the spot where he was killed, but they rightly fled at the sight of us, and there appeared to be no disturbance to that devil's rest, although the area around the can bore scorch marks from the powerful heat that Banks was incinerated by. And who wrote the journal? Reverend Josiah Danielson. Was that Frakes related to the Frakes that was Ariel Dan- Danielle? She pauses for a second and looks a little bit surprised. Oh, I mean, I hadn't even rightly thought about that. I mean... It could just be a coincidence, but it's possible. I mean, if she grew up anywhere around this area, it's a last name I've heard before. Does anyone know where this spot is that his ashes were buried? She actually nods and she says, oh, yes, I've seen it before, actually. Really? Where is it? Yeah, the, the city does its best to keep people away from it for the most part because they don't want people messing around anywhere where something like that has gone on. It's usually just going to draw a lot of teenagers. She pulls out a map of the area and draws, going off of the Red Rock Byway a little distance, an area off to the side where you realize, based on where you were standing on the Red Rock Byway, is where those people had been pointing initially. We should probably go out there, right? I think it'd be interesting to see. Did they stop people from going out there or just kind of discourage it? They mostly just discourage people. I mean, at this point, most of the young ones in the town don't even really know about it anymore. It was a lot bigger and more important back in the day. That makes sense. Are there any other really interesting stories you wouldn't mind sharing with us? She tells you a couple more stories. One of them is about a supposed jackalope infestation that had been around for a while. Virtually everybody had had a little statue of one of those in the area for a while. And she also talks about an interesting urban myth that she'd heard mentioned from what she calls more serious magic folk in Sedona about a spirit that inhabits the area and drinks power like a big fat animal from the energy vortices in and around the area. Interesting. Is that something that you've studied a lot? I'll be honest with you. I'm not particularly interested in things that are too heavily occult. I'm a good Christian woman myself, so I don't try to delve into the technicalities of too many of those things. But I I do know some people, again, in Sedona who are more into that kind of thing. Is there anyone that we could maybe reach out to? I'm just interested in learning all of these different lore. Just, yeah, I'll I'll get you you some names and some uh, information to contact people, okay? Thank you starts going and getting a piece of paper so she can write things down. Because <laughs> this is not a woman that does things with computers. <laughs> She's not going to text me the names? No. No, she is not. Jazz, you have anything else you want to? I'm looking at how many names get repeated in these stories. Do you know, Miss Frisbee, if there's any Frakes still living in the area? Oh, goodness. Not that I'm aware of. Again, I haven't lived in town for the last couple of years at this point. Finally ended up deciding to downsize and got a much smaller place, like you can see. I made a lot of money off selling my house. It's very cozy here. I like it. Well, thank you, dear. Yeah, I don't think we'll take up more of our time, I guess. We can back if we have further questions or other parts of history we'd like to look into. Of course, dear. Oh, it's been so nice having you over for a little bit of company. Well, if you're ever in town, feel free to stop by the bed and breakfast. We can have some tea or coffee or something. Well, you know, when I, when I head out next from the house, I'll probably go ahead and do that. I guess I'll see if she needs any help around the house or anything run into town since we're headed back that way. She says, oh, no, you don't worry yourselves about any of that. It was just a pleasure to get to sit and talk with you. What time is it now? Let's say two. 
All right. Do you want to grab some lunch? Because we're going to go on that mine tour in about an hour. Yeah. Let's just grab something to go. So yeah, we'll go and get lunch. Maybe from that cafe again. If you think we have enough time. Yeah, we only do have an hour. We have to drive back into town, get the food. We might end up going to the Taco Bell KFC (laughs) combo just so that we can grab a quick bite. A couple of soft tacos on the way. Mine tour. Going to the mine. Hey, did we discuss whether or not you had an outfit for your date? I have plenty of clothes. Okay. Between our wardrobes, we got something for me to take to the club, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. When you get to the old GW mining building, you can see that at this point, most of it is completely shut down. When you get outside, you can see another car there. There's a green Volvo waiting outside of there. And an older looking man who is wearing what looks like a hard hat and appears to have a couple more sitting on top of the Volvo is waiting outside, smoking a cigar. We'll wave cheerfully and head over to him. Yeah, he heads over towards you. He's a slightly paunchier man. He actually is wearing a shirt that's got GW mining on it. Well, hello there. You were the ladies that contacted us about setting up a mining tour, correct? Absolutely. Pleasure to meet you. Name's Tom Milholland. Nice to meet you. I'm Jazz, and this is my sister, Danny. We were real excited to see this tour. Well, I hate to muss both of your hair up, but I'm going to have to ask you to wear these. And he hands a hard hat over to each of you. Uh, Jazz is going to put her helmet on. Safety first. You know, unfortunately, it's not super tourist time right now, but we always try and take people whenever they request a tour. And if it's just the two of you, well, then if you got a lot of questions, I can answer them all for you while we're down there. Great. Yeah. Had a thought in this head, but hopefully some questions will come sprinting through. Just to kind of summarize things for you, because narrating an entire mind tour is pretty boring. (laughs) He walks you through the history of how they had done the mining here, all the different types of drills they use and how people had gone in with picks and things like that and done the mining in the area. There is a brief mention of the crash regarding the company truck and the resultant lawsuits. Based on what the company says, they tried to settle as amicably as possible with the tribes and family members of the youth that were killed. Jazz is going to be also paying attention to any plaques on the way, because that one lady spoke so ardently about them. Yeah, and you do see there, as you're going through the mining tour, there have been a number of what look like maybe copper plaques installed throughout the area that will describe the different locations and some of the equipment that's in there. Like you've got one that lists a bunch of different types of boring equipment. I bet it does. About halfway through the tour, while you're in some of the formerly active mining tunnels, the ones that are still in good enough condition that you can go through, Danny, you hear a faint crying in the distance down a tunnel that has been roped off. Do you guys hear that? Well, what's that? And he turns around. Very clearly, Tom cannot hear this. You cannot hear it either. I don't hear anything. What's down this tunnel here? I believe it had a partial collapse down that way, so you wouldn't get more than a few hundred feet down there before you'd end up hitting just a solid wall of rock. Do you mind? Could we just go that way a little bit? What is your mental affinity? MA, uh, 17. 17. Okay. Let me roll something real quick. Oh, wow. You are lucky. (laughs) He stops for a long time, and he gives you a very stern look. And finally, he relaxes his jaw a little bit and says, all right, well, look, we got to be real careful going back down here. I don't want anybody getting hurt. But since you asked so nice and since it's just the three of us, it's not like anybody's around a tattletale on us. So let's just slip underneath here real quickly and we can go take a look. Thank you. Thank you. We are very respectfully following him. As you go following through, you can see, just like he said, it appears that this tunnel dead ends a couple hundred feet down. The little lights that you have on your helmets kind of help illuminate it. But as you're going down this spur tunnel, Danny, I want you to roll me another d20, please. One! Okay, Danny, you are at the forefront of this group, right behind Tom, who is leading you down the tunnel, right next to your sister. When you see what you can only term as the remains of a woman standing in the tunnel. And when I say that, I mean that she looks like a woman. You would assume that at one point she was pretty. Standing stock still at the end of the tunnel with her head in her hands. 
but there are big gaping bites taken out of her form. And you can see the flesh and bone and muscle tissue beneath where it appears she's just been crunched through. You hear in the back of your head, your grandma goes, Oh, Jesus Christ, I think I'm going to be sick. Can ghosts even puke? Your mind goes white. That's the last thing that you hear. And Jazz, you notice your sister immediately goes, the palest you've ever seen her. And turns her. I want you to give me an attack roll. (laughs) Would that be a strike? Yeah, you can call it a strike. You're effectively going to try and (laughs) grab her before she could run out of there. Ooh, I only got an 11. Jazz, you're stunned for a moment as the most unearthly wail you've ever heard comes out of your sister's throat and she turns and runs headlong out of this little spur. And now I need to roll one very important roll. Oh, God. And then she runs directly into the stone wall outside of the spur. Danny, you take 14 points of SDC damage as you collide head first with the wall and then running down the tunnels. Jazz goes running after her. She's like, Tom, I don't know what's going on. Tom is yelling from behind the two of you as you both tear off down the tunnels. Fortunately, Jazz, you're so much faster than Danny, even when she's (laughs) in a blind panic, that you manage to grab her as you can see that she's got a huge lump on the side of her head. Grab her and hold her so I've got her arms to her side and, you know, like a big bear hug kind of hug. I'm like, it's okay, Danny, you're safe. You're safe. I'm here. You're safe. You didn't see her. No, but that's okay. You're okay. She's not here now, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have gone far enough away and around a corner that she is no longer in visible sight for you. You're good? I'm fine. You're fine? I'm fine. Okay, no more running? No, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I... Is your head okay? Can I roll like a first aid or something? You do have first aid. I'm worried she's got a concussion. You ran into a rock, Danny. I know. I know. I didn't mean to. 39. By the looks of it, you don't think she has a concussion, but she's definitely got a big old bump on her noggin in a very conspicuous area. Your date tonight. It'll be fun. Yeah, we brought makeup. <laughs> you believe she may end up getting a bit of a black eye from it, too. I mean, I'm a boxer. Do I know how to cover up bruises a little bit for dates so your date doesn't get looked at like an abuser when you just are competitively fighting? We'll we'll see when we make that check a little <laughs> bit later on once you've gotten her home. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm going to try and find... I don't think we should keep going on this tour. Let's stop for now. We can come back and deal with whatever you saw later when you're not in such a sprinty mood. I'm fine. I really, I'm, I'm fine. I was just shocked. Do you want to go back and see her? Do you want to leave? No, no, I don't. Has Tom caught up to us yet? Yeah, Tom is now puffing as he comes around the corner because Tom was trying to figure out for the life of him what must have caused this. And when he sees the big bruise that you have on the side of your head and around your eye, he's like, well, well, we should definitely get you an ice pack at least, get you taken care of. I know sometimes people get a little claustrophobic down here and they get spooked. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. I thought I was fine. I guess seeing that wall where the tunnel had collapsed was just too much for me. Scary to think about what those people must have gone through when they were trapped down in places like this. Yeah, that's why I never went down myself. My father was a miner. He worked for the company, so. Are there a lot of accidents in a place like this? I wouldn't say a lot, but I mean, especially in places where they're being careful, but it it happened from time to time. Was it only ever miners that got killed or or did other people sometimes? Oh, it would have only ever been miners. You wouldn't have let anybody else down here. I thought I heard once about a woman, maybe, who, who died down here. He gives you a completely blank look and says, no, they didn't even really have a lot of female miners and never heard of any of them dying down here. Must have just been one of those things people say without knowing what they're talking about. Now, follow me. I'll take you to the quickest way out so we can go and get you a little fresh air, okay? okay. Thank you. Can I, be, can I try and keep an eye on how we're heading out? Because I have a feeling that once Danny's back in her right mind, she's going to want to come back and talk to this lady. So if we end up having to sneak into a unstable mind system, I would like to be able to find my way here. 
I'll try and make a mental map of how to get back to the lady from this very quick exit, apparently. Okay. Exit. And that way we can come back later. Okay. That will give you a little bit of a bonus on a roll to navigate through here later since you're taking the time out to do that. Cozy Caverns Mysteries is a Real Play Games podcast production. Palladium Books and Megaverse are copyright and registered trademarks owned by Palladium Books. Beyond the Supernatural, BTS2, Laszlo Society, and Box Nightmares are trademarks of Kevin Simbaida and Palladium Books Incorporated, used with permission. Our theme song, Ode to Jay, is performed by Toon Dogs and used under a commercial license, which includes sync licensing. If you'd like to contact the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at RealPlayPod on Twitter or via email at RealPlayGamesPodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the show, please check us out at www.patreon.com forward slash RealPlayGamesPod. We'll reward your support with early episode releases, exclusive content, and much more. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great one.